0: Welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I'm your host and money coach, Paige Pritchard. If you're ready to up-level your results in relationship with money, you're in the right place. Each week, I give you the tools to transform your mindset, manage your emotions, and achieve results with your money you never dreamed were possible. Hi, love. Welcome to episode 102 of the Money Love Podcast. Okay, y'all, if you were like me, which I know many of you are, then this episode is going to be one that is going to save you hopefully hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of dollars over the course of your life. Because today we are actually going to be talking about how to cut your food budget in half. For me, and like I said, I know for many of you, your food budget is the line item in your budget that you most struggle with, that at the end of the month, you just always feel like it's the one category that you're always overspending in. You come into a month with really, really good intentions. You say, okay, I'm only going to spend X amount this month. And then by the time the month is over, it's about double that. I know for my husband and I, In full transparency, you guys are going to hear us talk about this in the episode. We spend way, way, way too much money on food for what two adults should be spending on food, both across groceries and takeout. So because this is an area that I personally struggle with, and I know many of you do as well, I reached out to my friend, Gina, Gina Zachariah, who is better known on social media as the Savings Whiz. Gina is somebody who I have followed and admired for a really long time. We've kind of been mutuals in the social media space for years. We've both kind of started our social media pages, you know, years ago. I mean, I'm just so happy. I was telling Gina this when we talked, like I'm just so happy for all of the success that Gina has found in the last couple of years because there's no one who really deserves it more than her. But if you guys don't follow Gina, you need to be following Gina. I know by the end of this episode, you're going to. Last I checked, I checked right before I started recording this. She has over 2.4 million followers on TikTok. She has a million followers on Instagram. And she is all about helping you save money on your grocery bill. Now, in this episode, we are going to be diving into all of her best tips and tricks. She's going to be telling you guys like the apps that she uses, the tools that she uses, what she recommends you have, how she finds deals, how she preps her food. We're going to be talking about buying in bulk and leftovers and freezing food, but we're also going to be getting into the mindset piece of this, which of course, if you've been here for any amount of time, you know that I think is probably the most important piece that no one really talks about when it comes to saving money on your groceries and eating out less. So she truly is the perfect, perfect person for this conversation. And I am just so thrilled that she agreed to be on the show because I'm telling y'all, she is a pretty big deal. So Gina's platform is called The Saving Wiz, and it's a community of over 3 million people. And what Gina does is she teaches people simple strategies that make it really, really easy to save money. Her mission is to empower others to save in a way that doesn't feel depriving, which how huge is that, right? Gina has been on Good Morning America. She's been on the Today Show, which it was so funny. I was telling her when we were recording, I was on maternity leave, and one morning just sitting there like watching the Today show while I was like nursing Palmer. And all of a sudden, like Gina just like pops up on the Today Show. And I'm like, oh my God, that's Gina. So she's been on the Today Show, Forbes, Money, and others. But she runs her online community, which is called the Super Savers, where she coaches and guides members of her community to save money the easy way so that they can spend money on the things that they love. So, y'all, you're gonna hear her talk about this, but Gina has been able to slash her grocery budget. For a family of four, she has two older girls, but her, her husband and her two daughters, a family of four slashed her grocery budget from $1,200 a month to four to $450 a month her and her husband were in over six figures worth of debt. And she really attributes her ability to save so much money specifically in the food category, because she essentially took all that saved money and put it towards their debt. She says that it's a huge reason of why they were able to pay off so much debt in about five years. All this to say, she is the real deal. Like She talks the talk, but she walks the walk. And you guys are gonna hear all of her tips in this episode. So I am so, so, so excited for you guys to hear this conversation. We talked for about an hour. This is definitely a longer conversation, but again, I know this is an area that we all need help. And so I really wanted just to keep her as long as I could and just ask her as many questions as she would let me ask her. But before we hop into the interview, There is one tool that I just want to give and suggest to you guys that we didn't actually talk about. Gina will give her recommendations for like apps that she uses and tools that she thinks are really important for you guys to be able to save on your grocery bill. However, I have one that we didn't talk about in the episode, and I want to make sure that I mention it. I get this question a lot about credit cards. Like, What's the best credit card to use specifically for just the food category in general? And if you are somebody who you spend a lot of money in your food category, like myself and my husband do, I highly, highly, highly recommend that you look into getting the Capital One Saver Card. This is not sponsored by Capital One, okay? <laughs> i just have the saver card i have had the saver card for years and years and years and it is by far my favorite credit card because the saver card it gives you four percent cash back on dining and eating out it gives you three percent cash back at grocery stores one percent on everything else it also gives you eight percent cash back on entertainment so like movie tickets concert tickets things like that and in addition something that i really love about the saver card is that if you are somebody who uses Uber Eats a lot, which I mean, in full transparency, my husband and I do, it will cover your monthly $10 subscription to Uber One, which is the Uber Eats kind of like VIP version where you get Reductions in delivery fees, you get like priority delivery, all of that stuff. So, like, you essentially pay extra to get those extra perks. But when you have the Saver card, what will happen is that you will link your Saver card on your Uber Eats account. And then each month, you're going to get a statement credit towards your card that's going to cover that $10 monthly fee. And in addition to that, you get $10 cash back on all Uber and Uber eats charges that go onto the card. Okay. So I will say there is a $95 annual fee. However, if you are somebody who spends a lot in this category, you will make back that $95 annual fee like over and over and over and over throughout the course of the year. I literally earn thousands of dollars of perks just from this one card every single year. So again, this is not sponsored by Capital One at all, but it is a common question that I get of like, what are your favorite credit cards? What do you have? What do you use? And since we're talking about food in this episode, I just want to mention it that if you are somebody who spends a lot in this category... I want you to definitely take the tips and tricks that Gina and I talk about, of course, to reduce the amount that you're spending and the amount that we're simply just like wasting on food that we buy and don't use and don't eat. But then once we do that, you can still use the saver card to spend on the food that you are buying more consciously and more responsibly to be getting that cash back. And if you're ordering things on Uber, Uber Eats, things like that, if you go to the show notes of this episode, so if you just scroll down, I have put a link to the saver card. So all you have to do is click that and it will take you to the website, I guess, that you can just go ahead and apply for the card straight away. And I will just tell you like that is my affiliate link for the card, which just basically means like I will get a little bit of a kickback if you use my link to apply for the card and they get approved for the card. So, this isn't sponsored, but it is my affiliate link, which all users have an affiliate link, right? Like, once you get the card, you'll have a link that you can think about to people. So, that's my recommendation for having a credit card specifically for food. If you are a foodie and you tend to spend a lot of money in this area, we can definitely take the tips here to reduce it and be more conscious of it. But then, also in addition to that, use that credit card and all the other tools that Gina is going to give you as a way to put even more cash back into our pockets. That's the little tip that I've got for you, which is pretty much (laughs) the only tip that I have for you in this area, which will be made very evident by the end of this episode that Gina is for sure the girl and the expert in this space. I really, really hope that you guys enjoy this episode with Gina. It was amazing to talk to her. I know you guys are going to love it and take so much away from this episode. Make sure that you are following Gina. All of her information is in the show notes. And if you really love this episode, it would mean so much to me if you would share it on your social channels, tag me, tag Gina. She is at the saving Wiz W-H-I-Z. W-H-I-Z. Let's show her some love from the Money Love Podcast community. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Gina Zachariah, the Saving Wiz. I love y'all. I'll see you next Tuesday. Gina, welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I am so excited to have you this week. I have been a long, long time follower of yours, and I'm just so happy to have you on. This is a topic that I know I struggle with personally. We'll get into that in the episode. I know so many women in my community are struggling with this. And then honestly, just add on all of the inflation that we've seen probably in the past year of just food getting more expensive, groceries getting more expensive. You know, it's like $100 at the grocery store today does not buy you what it bought you a year or two years ago. So welcome to the show. I am thrilled to have you.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I've also been following you for so long. So this is an honor for me.
0: Oh, good. Well, let's just start out for those who don't know you. Give us... All about Gina, tell us all about you, what you do, what you help with and also your personal story of how you got here.
1: So, I first started because my my husband and I were struggling to pay off our debt. We had over six figures of debt and a part of me was thinking it was an income problem that we just needed to make more money and I was resentful at work and I felt unhappy and then I realized after having to make a budget that it wasn't an income problem. It really was a spending problem. And when I started really looking into all the different categories that we had, one of the biggest categories was groceries. And while that, of course, is like a necessary expense, it just seemed like it was so high for a family of four, especially because my kids were so young and they weren't really eating that much. It Mm -hmm. just didn't seem justified. So- After a while, I, you know, walked through it with my mom and I was going to the grocery stores and just like going to the nearest grocery store, buying everything that was on my list without really thinking about it. My mom and I started talking and she was like, wait, there are other grocery stores near you that have a lot of really good deals on the same things you're buying. And I'm like, really? I didn't even realize that grocery stores and this could have just been me, but I didn't even realize grocery stores had different prices. I'm like tomatoes are tomatoes. They're going to be the same everywhere. And it was at that point where I realized, wow, there's so much that I could probably do in this section. So I started kind of getting into different strategies. My mom gave me some strategies I read from books, heard from podcasts. Some things worked, some things didn't. And the things that I started to master really helped me go from $1,200 a month to just $400 a month. And I was like, no, I need to tell my friends about this. I need to tell everybody about this. And I remember my oldest daughter was like, why don't you blog about this? And so I started a blog in 2017. It just started talking about saving money and how to be a better steward of the income that we actually bring in. Mm -hmm. And It just kind of took off and I found my people online. And so it was easy to start sharing that information because I felt like, like you said, it's a very needed conversation to have because I don't know that many families understand how to do this. And it becomes overwhelming very quickly.
0: Yeah, I feel like there's just so many angles to tackle, right? It's like, is it couponing? Is it using the cash back apps? Is it just like scouring all the different grocery stores to like finding the best deal? Which I know we'll we'll obviously get into that. But let me just make sure I heard you right. So you have a family of four. You have two children, correct? Mm-hmm, correct. Are they older now?
1: Yeah. So my oldest
0: is going to be twenty two this year, <laughs> and I have a sixteen year old. Okay. And so between the four of you on a monthly basis, you're spending $400 a month on groceries? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Even, yeah, even so even now with like inflation and all the just everything being more expensive? Yeah,
1: it's between 400 and 450. Oh my. So gosh. depending on the month, but yeah, it's about
0: 400. Okay. Wow. I I'm going to be totally honest with you like just even between my husband and I, like the two of us, and then we have a 10-month-old that she, I mean, she doesn't really even count, right? Between <laughs> the two of us, just my husband and I, now my husband's a big guy and he eats a lot, but we're probably spending double that at the grocery store. So I am just, okay we just, we got to get into this. Okay. So first of all, you cut your grocery bill in half. And I know you said you tried some things that worked, And then you also tried some things that didn't work. So I would be interested to hear what were the things that you tried that didn't work? And then what are you actually doing to get that grocery bill down to $400 a month?
1: Well, you'd be kind of surprised at the things that didn't work. It's not that they didn't necessarily save me money. It's that the balance of saving money and saving time was the big issue for me. So I tried couponing for a while and couponing works However, you have to take time to look for the coupons, clip the coupons, find the stores that have the best deals to use those coupons. And oftentimes you find yourself buying things that you normally wouldn't buy because there's a crazy deal, which Mm -hmm. means that you're going from store to store looking for those deals. And it just became so time consuming. It just wasn't worth it for me. What I ended up, doing was scratching out the coupons altogether sometimes i do use some of the cashback apps like fetch rewards or i bought a fetch rewards is probably my favorite okay. and instead of looking at coupons what i did was i started just looking at the ads that come in every week so it makes it easier for me to see which stores are my quote unquote winners of the week the ones that are going to save me the most amount of money and then i pick one or two stores that i go to for that week That way I'm not wasting any time because our time is so limited as it is, especially as moms who are, you know, busy with work and kids and home and everything else. It just makes it so much easier for you to be able to go to one or two stores, get everything you need for the week and come home.
0: So when you say looking for the best deals at the best stores, where are you doing that? Are you actually doing that on like the Fetch app or where is that happening?
1: So I I generally get my weekly circulars directly mailed to me,
0: but okay. if someone
1: doesn't, like if one of your listeners is listening right now and it's like, I don't get any ads in my, in my mail, you can go to something called the flip app. It's F L I P P. And it's a really good app because it basically has all of the weekly circulars in your area based on the zip code. And it, what's really cool about it is let's say you're looking for chicken breasts this week you can type in chicken breast and then it'll show you where the deals are in your area for chicken breast. So it makes it super simple for you to find the things that are on your list without having to worry that you
0: aren't getting it mailed directly to you. Oh, okay. That's super helpful. Yeah. Because when you're saying that, I'm like, I wouldn't even know where to look for that, but flip F L I P P. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So you're doing that. And then So that kind of helps you find, okay, this is where I'm going to find the best deal. So there's, I feel like there's kind of the first part of this of like finding the best deal. And then there's the part where like, after you actually buy the food, because I've obviously follow you on social media. (laughs) And if you guys don't, you need to go follow her. She has the best videos and she shows you a lot in her videos of how, like once she actually gets the food home, like what she does to the food to essentially prep it. So let's talk about that piece of it, of actually like once you get the food home, prepping it, because I know you do a lot there.
1: Yeah, so yeah, that's that's half the battle altogether, right? A lot of times we go to the grocery store, we buy a bunch of really great items, we're excited about it, have the best of intentions, and then the week goes by and we're like, most of it has spoiled. Mm -hmm. So that used to happen to me all the time. So what I started to do was, and my mom actually taught me the trick with onions where I just come home and I just batch chop all my onions. I get a really big food processor. I put all my onions in there. I absolutely hate having to chop onions. So if I can do it just once a month, that makes my life so much easier. And then I don't have to think about it anymore. So I do that with onions. I will just batch chop them, put them in freezer bags, and then flatten them out, put them in my freezer. So anytime I need to cook anything, which most of our meals, because we make Middle Eastern dishes, have onion in almost every meal. Mm -hmm. So I just pull it straight from the freezer, put it into the pot, takes a second to thaw because the pot is hot, and I have onions in my dish without me having to get out a cutting board or a knife or cry every day. So it just makes it so much easier. I do the same thing with my garlic. I'll mince all of my garlic at once. Um, I do this sometimes with my herbs. So I do this a lot with mint. I will put it in the microwave for maybe 30 seconds at a time just until it completely dries out. And then I just, you know, in my hand, I'll just rub it and it becomes like powdered mint, put it in a baggie, throw it in the freezer, and it's ready to go when I need it. So there are so many other options rather than putting things in your pantry or your fridge. If you start utilizing your freezer when you get home and you're able to stock more there, you'll save so much more time and money because then those things are waiting for you.
0: Even when you're busy, you don't have Mm -hmm. to worry about something spoiling. Yeah. And I'll say this, like for me, when you're saying this, because I feel like, let's use tonight, right? It's like 6 p.m. on a Wednesday night. You're like, okay, it's time to cook dinner. And let's just say you want to make a dish that to your point requires onions. But then in your head, you're like, ugh, I don't want to like chop onions, like da 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 And so then you're like, okay, well, like, let's just do something else, something that's easy, which I mean, I know for my husband and I usually means like ordering Chick-fil-A on Uber Eats or something like that. And <laughs> yep. it, it, can, it can literally be like solely because of like one tiny little thing, like the garlic or the onion that like, I didn't want to have to mess With and I didn't want to have to do to make it like this whole big event. But you're saying this, and I'm like, okay, like if I already had it prepped in my freezer, it's so easy. It's like it kind of takes that excuse out of it. I just want to offer this mindset shift to people who are listening because this just occurred to me. It's like I think a lot of people have the mindset of like, I don't have the time to put in the upfront work, but that's like solely what we're focused on is like the time and effort that we have to put in initially. And we forget Mm -hmm. about all the time and effort that it's going to save you again, on the Wednesday night at 6 p.m. when it comes to make the dish and you don't have to spend the five minutes chopping the onion, it's already done and you can just grab it out of your freezer. It's like that, those little moments, those five minutes every single night over the course of months and years is gonna save you probably way more time than it's gonna take you just to like prep.
1: It's one less barrier that you have to deal with, one less obstacle that you have to deal with while you're cooking at a time where you're already tired. So I say this a lot, it's not just about like, the time that you're saving with chopping the actual onion, but you're saving time with having to wash the cutting board, wash the knife, mm. um, wash the surfaces that you're using to chop the onion, right? Whereas so like if you have a food processor, you're chopping it once, you're washing it once, it's, it's done. You don't have to worry about it anymore. I'm always looking for ways to like what I call my like bootleg tricks, like things to really shorten down My cooking time, my kitchen time, because even though my entire page is all about cooking and prep and food and all of that, I do not like being in my kitchen that often, but I know that it's something that's necessary for me to give my my kids and my family a good meal And to feed them well. So it's something that I need to do. So why not find ways to make it as easy as possible for me so that I don't have to feel overwhelmed or feel like I just want to go get takeout.
0: Yeah. You know, I would say for us, like most of the time that we're getting takeout, that's the main motivator of it. It's just like Mm -hmm. exhaustion. Oh, this is easy. This is quick. There's no prep. There's no cleanup. And so it's like just making that process as easy on yourself as possible, I think is so, so key. Another thing that I know you're really big on, which I think is important to touch on because I'm so guilty of this, so guilty of this, is going to the grocery store and buying stuff that's already like pre-made at the grocery store, like a pre-made salad or watermelon that's already cut for you. Or I know you're big on like shredding your own cheese. Like instead of buying the shredded cheese in a bag, just buy the block of cheese, Mm -hmm. shred it yourself. And I think a lot of people just, A, they don't think about doing that. But B, again, it comes back to the time of like, I don't have time to shred my own cheese. But again, it's (laughs) like, but... A, it's going to save you so much money. And B, it's like, it really doesn't take as much time as you probably think that it does. So can you talk about that? Just like the savings in buying stuff that's not pre-made at the grocery store? Because I am a sucker for that stuff.
1: Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that because I actually just shredded some cheese last week and I decided to time myself just to see like, how long is this really taking from me? Yeah. And I think it took like seven minutes. (laughs) (laughs) yeah <laughs> because you know, I again, I use my food processor. it makes it very simple. But the idea of buying convenience is something that as busy moms, we tend to gravitate towards because it's something that is again, one less barrier that we have to deal with. So it is very enticing to get those very convenient foods that are ready for us that we could just open the bag and start using. But here's the thing. Number one, when you are buying, let's say, let's let's use shredded cheese as the example. If you're buying shredded cheese, there are a couple of things. Number one, you're not buying the quantity at the same price as if you were to buy the blocked cheese, right? So mm-hmm. blocked cheese usually comes in one to two pound amounts. You're getting it for what looks like to be a little bit more expensive when you look at it just as a block versus a bag of shredded cheese. But a lot of times the shredded cheese is about eight ounces, which is half a pound, right? Mm, eight to 10 right. ounces. And it is more expensive to buy it when you actually look at the unit price, right? Yeah. When you break it down, you'll realize that it is more expensive. It also has preservatives. It has things in there that you necessarily don't want to have in your food and it is doesn't melt as good it doesn't have the best flavor when you're buying something that is more in its natural state and you process yourself Mm -hmm. you have more control over the flavors that you are adding into your dishes plus the idea that you're going to have way more of that ingredient on hand so you don't have to buy it as often so it's a lot of a lot of different variables. You have time savings because you don't have to buy it as often. You don't have to shred it more than once because you're just going to shred it all at once, right? Yeah. You have it ready in your freezer so it's waiting for you when you need it. It's not going to spoil. And you're getting a better quality of ingredient and you're saving money. So it's got a lot of different benefits
0: that most people don't think about when they think of just even one ingredient like shredding cheese. So true. And again, I know I keep like coming back to this point, but I feel like it's the major point that deters people from doing this is like, The time. And I think like when you're Mm -hmm. factoring in all of those other benefits of like what you're getting. And I think to your point, like our brains are so dramatic. And our brains want to tell us, I don't have the time. And it also wants to exaggerate how much time it actually takes. So to your brain, your brain's probably telling you it's going to take us 20 minutes to shred this cheese. But in reality, it's going to take you seven minutes. And in addition to that, there's all these different benefits. And then to me, I'm like, look, I think what's important is that each person can just look at the cost of like what it's going to cost you not only from a money perspective, but a time perspective, but then also keep in mind all the benefits. And I feel like the benefits, all of those things, like I had no idea. Like when you're telling me like there's less preservatives, it tastes better. It melts better. It's just, it makes total sense to me. I've just never actually like thought of it that way. And so now it's like, Is that worth the seven minutes of your time knowing that, A, of course, it's going to save you money, which is great, but there's also all these other benefits that you probably haven't thought of. And that's just like one tiny little thing. That's like shredded cheese. We could probably take that and apply it to like a bunch of different things that are on your weekly grocery list.
1: Yeah, exactly. And here's the thing is like, how many many times do you use cheese a week, right? Like, do I use my shredded cheese once a week, twice a week, three times a week, whatever it is? you're only shredding your cheese once or twice a month. So seven minutes once or twice a month versus every time I need cheese, I got to take out my cheese grater. I have to sit there and and do it. And it takes a while. And I get this question a lot. People are skeptical about the cheese clumping. So they think, oh, well, add potato starch or you have to add something, it's going to clump. And I'm like, it doesn't clump. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I think people automatically think that because you're shredding it yourself, it's going to automatically stick together. It's going to be one big ball, and that's just not true. As soon as you shred it, if you just put it in the bags and stick it straight in the freezer, I promise you, it does not clump. Like I actually will show it in a in an upcoming video because that was one question that just kept coming up. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it doesn't clump. As soon as you take it out of the freezer. You can like play with the bag and all of the cheese is separated. There is no clumping involved. You can definitely put potato starch if you want to. At least you know the preservative you're putting in there, but it's not necessary and it's not something that you need to worry about if that's something that concerns you with shredding cheese. And this happens to be something that concerns people with a lot of things that you're going to process. Well, maybe it's not going to taste right, or the texture is going to be off, or it's not going to be the same. Try it. Try just one of the vegetables. So you don't want to do all of your onion. That's fine. Just do one onion, put it in the freezer and do it as a tester and see what works for you. Because it's all about a balance too.
0: Yeah. I know we've been talking about cheese for a long time, but I have to make this point because I'm like, yes, you're so right. Because now that you're saying this to all me, I'm like, oh yeah, because I mean, we buy shredded cheese in a bag, right? And like, I find like once I open it and I use like half of it, when I go back to use the other half, like I remember this one time um, we had like nachos for dinner and I used, mm-hmm. a ha- I used a bag of shredded cheese that had already been opened. And it hadn't expired or anything, but when I put it on the nachos and then I baked it, like the cheese, like didn't melt. It was mm-hmm. really, really weird. Like I pulled the nachos out and me and my husband were like, what is wrong with this cheese? Like it hasn't, mm-hmm. it's not melting. And I think like, that's exactly what you're saying. Like, it's just caked and like so much stuff. It's just like, blah. Yep. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. Cause I feel like we've talked about cheese for, <laughs> but I love cheese. I'm like, okay, bring on me the cheese." Me too. Okay. Now I'm going to try it. I'm going to try sharing my own cheese. Let's also talk about buying in bulk because I feel like this is a, I guess a topic that has mixed reviews because I've heard people say like buy in bulk. And then I've also heard people say it's actually not the most cost-effective option. And again, I don't know. I'm like, what's right? What's not right? I think a big part of it has to do with the point that you made ahead of time is like, are you actually getting to it? And are you actually eating it before it spoils? Which I think is the hard part for most people is they're buying in bulk thinking, oh, this is so economical. We'll eat all this. And then it spoils and they don't eat it. But Mm -hmm. do you buy in bulk? Like what's your system for that? Like, Maybe for like meats and proteins and things like that. So I love this
1: question. And my answer is going to be that it depends. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I love this question because it's something that we can all take time to think about in our own lives with our specific lifestyles. That's what I love about groceries in general is you can make a tailored approach that works specifically for you. And it doesn't necessarily have to work for someone else. So I would say buying in bulk is really going to depend on the things that you use on a regular basis. So I don't buy things in bulk that I know that I won't go through. And the way that I know that is through experience. So for instance, I love adding walnuts and different types of nuts to my oatmeal. I use walnuts or almonds or whatever in my baking. I tend to give that as snacks for my husband for lunch or I'll have some for lunch. I use it a lot, right? So Mm -hmm. I love buying my nuts in bulk and then I just put them in the freezer again so that they don't go bad. And I use them so often that it works for me. Someone else might not use nuts so much. So that's probably not something they want to buy in bulk. Mm -hmm. So it's really just understanding your family's food preferences, what they usually like to eat and buying those things in bulk so that you always have them on hand and you can rotate them out. So string cheese is one that my family loves to eat. Baby bells, any of those Mm -hmm. snack cheeses I Mm -hmm. buy in bulk. Throw them in the freezer, and then I take a little bit at a time and put them in the fridge when when we're out from the fridge, right? Yeah. So it's just all about like recognizing what you really love to have on hand and what your family tends to grab. Yeah. And knowing okay. that those things you can buy in bulk, and I can help you store them in a way that you'll keep them longer. The other thing about buying in bulk is really understanding the difference in unit price. So people think they go to a warehouse store and everything that's in bulk is a great deal. And that's not the case. (laughs) You have to look at unit price. What I love about unit price is you can compare it across the board, whether it's a warehouse store, a grocery store, an international market, you'll be able to still compare prices that way because unit price is unit price you're using the same unit to measure. So mm-hmm. it's easier for you to actually see what is the better price. I remember doing an article with uh, Money Magazine and we talked about Walmart versus Costco. And yeah. we wanted to see who the winner was going to be. And I think ultimately in that article, the winner for that week was Walmart, even though you would when you think look at a it unit would be price, Costco.
0: Like when you're looking at a unit price. And just to clarify, yeah. just to make sure in case anyone's confused about unit price. So when you say unit price, you're meaning like, for instance, if you go to Costco and you buy a box of like 30 granola bars, and the box is $20, it's figuring out how each, or how much each granola bar costs, right? Like, okay, yes. taking the 20 and dividing it by 30. Or if it's, you know, like, again, let's just stick with cheese because we're on a, we're on a cheese roll. <laughs> yes. If you're buying a bag of, of shredded cheese and, you know, to your point, it's 16 ounces for $10 or something. I don't even know if that's right. I'm just like literally making that up, but it's figuring out like, how much an ounce of that shredded cheese is, because to your point, that's the best comparison point. Like let's say when you're comparing like Walmart versus Costco versus a Kroger or something like that.
1: Correct. Yes. Okay. That's exactly it. So unit price essentially is you take whatever the total amount of the item is and divide it by its units. So if you're talking about cheese, you're going to divide it by either pounds or ounces. Mm-hmm, if You're talking okay. about chips, for instance. It might be also ounces or packages that are in the big package. You're going to be looking at the unit across the board so you know, is this a really good deal or not? Because sometimes you'll get things from Costco that are in bulk thinking that's the best way to save. Yeah. And then you realize, oh, you could have got a smaller amount at a different grocery store for less. And number one, you get to save space because you can buy it for less money per unit and less quantity. So you're not having to take up all that space in your home, but also that you're saving money because you're not just thinking that the bigger the amount is, the better,
0: And I think that's really important to touch on, especially with these big bulk like discount stores like a Costco or a Sam's Club. It's first of all recognizing the fact that Costco is smarter than you. Sam's Club is smarter than you. They have people who are solely dedicated to like pricing psychology. Mm -hmm. And I've even seen like on TikTok and stuff that like there are certain things that they sell in their store intentionally at a loss. Like they'll sell certain yes. things at a loss to kind of like get you back like deeper into the store, passing more things, putting more stuff in your cart. And they have things that like they intentionally sell at a loss, and then they have things that they kind of position as like, "Oh, you're getting such a good deal." And I think what you said is so true. I think our brains associate quantity to how good of a deal you're getting. When we think, oh my gosh, I'm getting this pack of like 30 granola bars. Like at Kroger, I can only get a pack of 10, they don't sell anything bigger than that. But here at Costco, I can get a pack of 30, not even realizing actually, like the pack of 30, you're actually paying more per unit than you would at Kroger if you just bought three boxes at Kroger versus the 30 at Costco. But our minds are like so conditioned to think, like, it's Costco, it's Sam's Club, it's bulk, it's like it's it's a better <laughs> yes. deal when we're not actually like slowing down to be like actually it's not. You know what I mean? So I love that of like looking at like the per unit and also just getting out of the mindset of like just because it's a bulk store doesn't guarantee that it's going to be a better deal. It might be for certain things and for other things it might not be.
1: Yes, exactly. And the idea that we often think that the bigger the amount that we're getting, the more value we're getting Mm -hmm. automatically. Like even when we think about like eating out and we go to a a restaurant, a lot of times we think, oh, you know, this place, you know, they serve really big portions for the price. So immediately we think value versus, is it really quality meals? Is it quality food? That kind of stuff, right? So it's the same thing when we think of grocery stores, just because something is, more in quantity does not mean that number one, you need all of that. And number two, you are getting the best deal. Like what you said about the loss leaders at Costco. I think about this all the time. Loss leaders they... Is that what they're called? Yeah. yeah okay. They're called loss leaders.
0: See, I so... told you, it's a real thing. Name <laughs> it really
1: is. Yeah. So Costco does this with rotisserie chicken, right? You always have it all the way in the back for good reason. They know people are going to go grab one because it is such a good deal. Where can you get a chicken that's already made for you? It's already seasoned, has everything ready to go for less than $5 or yeah. $5.50 or something, right? If you're going to automatically go there, what are they going to do? They're going to start making sure that they have what I call the tripwires, right? The, yeah. the items that you're going to be looking at on your way to go get that chicken Mm -hmm. so it's the same thing even when you're looking at sales this is something that you you should really be mindful of when you go to a grocery store that has a sale and you're going to get that sale item pay attention to what they're doing around that sale item Mm -hmm. because again it's their loss leader they want to grab you to bring you in with this item which means that everything that is surrounding it is likely going to be a few cents higher than it usually is. They do this a lot with pasta and um, tomato sauce or uh, marinara sauce, right? Marinara sauce is on sale. Wonderful. I'm going to make a pasta night. They know how you think. I want to have yep. pasta night because you know this marinara jar is on sale. You're going to grab pasta, right? Pasta is a little bit higher, but you didn't notice because because YouTube you need it to attention. make your pasta
0: dish and you're like, oh, it's right. Yeah. Here, so let me grab it. It's exactly it's so convenient. Yeah. And it's funny because like I don't shop there a whole lot because I have to drive like 30 minutes to get to the closest one. But Trader Joe's is like a master at this. And they will mm-hmm. even take like viral recipes that are going viral online. Like I know, gosh, it's been a while. What was it that like it had like tomatoes and oh the
1: feta pasta feta cheese
0: and the pasta and all that sort of stuff? Like you would walk into a Trader Joe's and like literally like they would have a section in their store for that recipe. It would it would be everything that you needed. It's like the pasta and the feta and the sauce and the this and the that. And all you have to do is just go do 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 and just throw it all in your cart. And to your point, like I see that in the grocery store too. It's like, if you're walking down the ice cream aisle, they always have like the chocolate syrup, like right next to the Mm -hmm. ice cream. Or if you're walking down the chip aisle, they always have those little racks with like salsa or queso. It's like, oh, you need some chips? Like grab yourself some salsa or grab yourself some queso. It just happens so fast. We're like, oh yeah, I need some tortilla chips. And while I'm at it, let me just throw in a queso. It's they so know, scary. they know how we think. I know. I, th- that's <laughs> what I, I like always try to tell my listeners. I'm like, listen, I'm not saying that any of us are dumb or stupid that's not what I'm saying at all, but it's like at the end of the day, they put millions upon millions upon millions of dollars behind this sort of stuff, like sales Mm -hmm. psychology, pricing psychology to get you to spend even an extra just like $10 on your grocery bill every trip. Because you spending an extra $10 on your grocery bill every single time you go to the grocery store over a lifetime equates to like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And when you're doing that across your entire customer base, it's worth it to them to really like put that, that research and I don't want to call it like manipulation, but
1: it's just the- marketing. Yeah, it's, it's marketing. It's marketing right? strategy.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, here's
1: the thing too: is number one, like what you are saying, like it's not that we are dumb or don't understand; it's that we're not being mindful of our behaviors. But they are really mindful of our behaviors, and they use yeah. that sometimes to make more money, whereas we never use our behaviors to help us save the money, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. we should be thinking the way they think and take the emotion part out. Take the I'm tired, I just need to get this, or I, you know, my kids really love this, this specific cheese. I have to get this one. If we kind of take that part out of the equation and we look strategically, we can do the same things they're doing, just the opposite direction, so that we can actually save money and have more money in our pocket. The thing with marketing especially is They use this as a way to be what I consider, quote unquote, helpful to you. Yeah. So you look at it as almost like they've done you a favor, like the Trader Joe's scenario of them having everything in one location. How convenient, right? You walk in, you're like, I want to make this. Thank you, Trader Joe's, for doing this for me. (laughs) And you just yeah totally put it straight into your cart and they know this. Mm -hmm. And so it's not that they're being evil. There was this uh, saying a long time ago. I don't know if you remember it or if I'm just aging myself, but they used to say that grocery stores, the way that they make their money is they nickel and dime you, right? Everything was just a nickel above what their cost was or a dime above what their cost was. So they're not making a ton of money on every single item. What they're making um, a lot of money on is the quantity of items that you're pulling. Yeah, okay. And ha- that's how they make their money over the year. If we nickel and dime the other way, we can do the exact same thing for our budget, right? It's not about making huge steps yeah. or having to save you know, $4 off of one item. It's really 50 cents here, 75 cents there, $2 there, and then you save the $10 per week or the $20 per week. That's 80 bucks per month. How much is that per year? And if you start to build and add on that, you start to
0: save thousands per year. Yeah. Essentially, that's so huge because I think, you know, so many of us get into the mindset of okay, well, shaving $50 off of my grocery budget every single month what is that really going to do? Because I think we just get in the mindset of like, it's $50 or it's $20. But again, it's understanding the fact you're going to have to eat for the rest of your life. (laughs) Like that's just (laughs) a reality of being a human being. It's like, you got to eat food, you got to sustain yourself. And shopping for food and going to the grocery store is going to be something that you are constantly going to be doing for the rest of your life. And so saving $50 a month on your grocery bill compounded over a lifetime is... I mean, I'm sure if we did the math, it would blow all of our minds how much that is. And it's just like, even putting $50 back in your pocket that could serve another purpose, like rather than just going towards food and groceries, maybe it can go towards debt. Maybe it can go towards an activity that your kid wants to do. I mean, the options are endless, but it's like getting out of that mindset of, oh, it's only to your point, it's only 50 cents. It's only 75 cents. It's like, no, that stuff actually builds up and it compounds over time. And it actually will make a huge difference over the course of your lifetime. I think you just said like, it's just a Mm -hmm. commitment to it, which I love.
1: Yeah, and it's it's adjusting as you go. People always say like this 50 cent here, 25 cent there, it's really not that significant. I will say that because of the way that we deal with our groceries now and because of when I first started, I was able to save so much money on my groceries that was one of the biggest reasons that we were able to pay off over six figures of debt in less than 5 years. Yeah. We didn't make any additional money. We didn't get an inheritance. We didn't cancel any debt. That money was just taken from sending it to the grocery stores. Now it's going to our debt instead. And we were able to to get rid of that debt.
0: Yeah. No, I love that. That's so huge. There's two more things I want to talk about because I know you've Mm -hmm. talked about freezing a lot of things. So do you recommend, what are some tools or I guess maybe like Things that you would suggest someone kind of has in their repertoire if they're kind of wanting to do a lot of this prepping. Like, do you recommend that someone invest in a deep I don't even know what it's called? Is it called a deep a stand-up freezer? Stand up <laughs> freezer. I'm like, see, I'm telling you, I'm so I'm a I'm a lost cause in this area. The only
1: reason I know is people people keep asking me what it is. Okay. I was like, I I mean, do you recommend someone
0: like invest in like maybe that? And I know you've kind of mentioned like a food processor a couple of times, like, what are some things that you're like, okay, if this is something you're actually going to do here, the things that it would make sense to invest in upfront.
1: First of all, I want to say that if you are someone who lives in an apartment or lives in a small space, you absolutely do not have to have an extra freezer space to do this because you're flattening out your, your ingredients. You're making more space in your freezer. So when I first started, I still have this same type of fridge now. I have the top and bottom where it's like the top is the freezer, the old school ones, right? And then the fridge is on the bottom. And that freezer is pretty small. But if you flatten everything out and you just strategically place your items, you're able to put a lot of ingredients in there. So you don't necessarily have to have it. I will say it is really helpful to have either a chest freezer or an upright freezer if you have the space to do that. A chest freezer probably will save you a lot more space because it's smaller, much smaller. And you can like, if you have like a little balcony, you can put it in the balcony. It has more space-saving qualities for you. So it is helpful, but it's not absolutely necessary for you to have that. Okay. For the food processor, I get this question a lot too. You don't have to have it. It does save you a lot of time though. And it doesn't have to be expensive. I got my food processor from Big Lots years ago, and I think it was like 25 bucks. It wasn't expensive. It's probably maybe 30 or 40 bucks now. People automatically think, food processor. It's got to be the the Cuisinart or the KitchenAid. And those things are $200. You do yeah. not need to get those. I do not have that one. And it still works the same. It comes with the same shredding attachments, has everything in there. And it's really inexpensive. You can also get the mini one. And that one is like, you know, less than 20 bucks or 25 bucks. Oh, nice.
0: Okay, So perfect. there's
1: definitely ways that you can get affordable, small appliances that can help you. But yeah, definitely that one would be a good buy if you're looking for something to help you in the kitchen.
0: Okay. And I want to make a side note on the freezer because I know I know my audience and I know they're going to be like, oh, okay, I'm going to go out and buy myself a, a stand-up <laughs> freezer. Okay. So here's my disclaimer for that. My suggestion, and I'm sure this would be Gina's suggestion too, is use what you already have first. Okay, use that. And then if you find yourself like running out of room and you're like, okay, like the freezer is getting too full, I need more space, then at that point you can go out and buy yourself the stand up freezer. But don't just go out and buy that like right off the bat because you're like, oh, I'm going to try freezing all of this stuff. And then you don't actually end up using it. I know that's just a trap that a lot of us fall into. So use what you have first, fill up the freezer that you have. And then if you need more space, you can go from there. So
1: a hundred (laughs) percent. And it gives you the ability to practice first, right? You're still kind of learning what you need to process, how to store it, all of those things. So if you practice with a smaller space first, you have better control. And then as you get better at it, and as you start to build on that practice, buying something later once you start to sa- you started saving that money right then yeah. you can use that savings if you want to buy something that will help you do even more absolutely agree with you.
0: Okay. Okay. Good. I'm glad, I'm glad we're in alignment there. Okay. <laughs> next thing. We actually talked to, about this before we started recording. We were kind of laughing about this because I told Gina, I said, look, I'm going to probably make you cringe a couple times in this video because I have a husband who is a very, very, very picky eater. I always say my husband eats like a five-year-old. Like I could probably name on one hand, the things that he'll actually eat. And he also doesn't eat leftovers and he also doesn't eat frozen food. And I just told Gina, I'm like, listen, it's okay. Like that's my cross to bear. Like my husband is just kind of a lost cause at this point. But to me, I'm like, listen, I've told my husband this. I'm like, as we're raising our family, I do not want our children to kind of have eating habits like that. So in terms of like leftovers and then also freezing stuff and then bringing it out of the freezer, do you just have tips for like leftovers, like how to make the best use out of leftovers and things like that? Well, I'm going to share something with you
1: and your audience. (laughs) My husband is the same. He is also very picky. He swears he's not. He thinks he's very easygoing, which is so (laughs) funny. He always says, I'm not picky. I'll eat whatever. And it's like, no, you won't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like, come on. (laughs) Come on. Let's be real. Yeah, I know.
1: But, you know, he's, he's one of those people that really does not like to eat leftovers. He, he never grew up with leftovers, um, in his home. His mom always made food fresh every single day, but it was also a different time. She was a housewife. She did not have to work outside of the home. Mm -hmm. So she had different circumstances that allowed her to do that. Whereas, you know, I do not have that. Yeah. So, I will have leftovers usually. And my girls are really good about eating leftovers. They love leftovers like their mama. But for my husband, I usually do something called leftover makeover. And it's something that I thought about after when I wanted to find ways of using up the leftovers without making him feel like he's eating leftovers. So what I would do is I would take those leftovers and I would make them into A completely new meal, something unrecognizable from the day before, so that he didn't know it was leftovers. It just seemed like a fresh meal. So, I'll give you some examples. One of the things that I usually do is I'll cook a roast uh, once every week or so. And we usually have a lot of roast meat left over. It's something that I do in the slow cooker to make it easy for myself. So, we have a lot of meat left over. And he wouldn't eat that the next day for sure. So what I do is I make a taco night. So I'll use the meat and I'll make guacamole. We'll have salsa, cheese, all of the fixings. And then we'll have tortillas. We'll have Mexican rice, some um, refried beans. And it's an entirely new meal. And the only thing that is pretty much, you know, repeated is the meat. So... Mm -hmm. It kind of covers it up enough where he doesn't mind it and he'll eat it. It's just about being really creative with how you use your leftovers. So obviously, if it's a casserole dish, it's really hard to use those leftovers. But you can yeah. use leftover meat, chicken. We had leftover ground beef. I was making something called roet, which is a Middle Eastern kind of like a meat pie, but it's made with tortilla and it's layered ground beef. hmm well, that same ground beef is the base of meat sauce because I oh, cook the ground yeah. beef with onions and then I just add it to some marinara and then we have meat sauce. So I can make spaghetti and meat sauce the next day. Again, unrecognizable. He doesn't know it's a leftover, but it is. So okay. that way I'm not wasting the food.
0: Yeah. Leftover makeover. I love it. I'm going to try that on Ryan and see if he notices. <laughs> <laughs> and even if he does, I'm just going to be like, listen, get over it. Okay. okay, you know what my husband calls leftovers? He calls it used food. Oh no. <laughs> he's like He goes, "I don't eat used food." I'm like, "It's not oh, used." If you haven't eaten it. Like I'm like he's he's just honestly he's just absolutely absurd. So that's
1: hilarious. But I heard that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I love, I love like your takeover makeover because I think that that's, that's perfect. Okay. So here's the last thing I want to touch on before we wrapped up, wrap up, because I think this is important. I want to kind of come back to the mindset piece because Hmm. I think that that's really key when we're tackling this, because I feel like somebody who wants to, cut down on their grocery budget. They want to spend less, but they also want to just cook more at home instead of eating out so much. I think that we go into this process, just kind of like white knuckling it, not honestly realizing that there's actually a lot of like mindset shifts that have to come with this process of, and it's almost kind of like an identity shift. And I'm I'm just going to give this example. Gosh, was it two years ago? I want to say it was like in 2021 at the start of 2021, my husband and I decided that we were going to just go cold turkey and stop eating out altogether, not forever, but for a period of time. And we actually made it four months without eating out a single time. We made it like 125 days without eating out. And we knew that we weren't going to do this forever. But before we started that, we were eating out like legit almost every single meal, almost every single day. And so we literally went from like one end of the, of the spectrum to the complete opposite. And I'm actually not recommending that anyone does that because it was really hard in the beginning. However, what I was most surprised at at the end of that was just the mindset and almost like the identity shift that occurred within me. Because when I went into that process, I had this identity of I'm somebody who just doesn't cook. I don't like to cook. I don't enjoy it. It's hard for me. I don't know how to do it. It's cumbersome. It takes so much. I mean, I just had so much mind drama about it all. And all that mind drama was feeding into those daily and nightly choices of, oh, we're just going to eat out tonight. Oh, we're just going to get takeout tonight. And I felt like at the end of that time period, from an identity perspective and my mindset, I was A completely different person. And so I do think that's such a huge piece of it. But I would love to get your take that you see in your community and with your clients. Like what role does mindset play in this whole process and what mindset shifts kind of need to happen in order to be successful with this?
1: Oh, it's huge. Mindset is huge. Um, It is one of the biggest players in all of this. When I first started, one of my biggest struggles was takeout because it's something that I thoroughly enjoy. And again, it's less cleanup, it's less time on me to do things. And I get to just enjoy my meal. So it's something that I genuinely loved doing. And I will say that when I first started, what I did was I didn't go cold turkey because I couldn't. (laughs) Yeah, I just, it, I said, don't do it. what I did. <laughs> I did it really gradually. I think the most important thing when you are trying to shift your mindset is to take gradual steps, because if you try to do it all at once, you shake your, your mindset so much that it doesn't actually shift. It doesn't actually evolve and change. What you're doing is you're just abruptly making a habit change. And trying to get it to stick without allowing your brain to catch up with it, without allowing your lifestyle to actually adjust to it. And you're just saying, this is how it's going to be, and that's it. And it might work for a while, and you might be successful for a while. But what ends up happening is your old habits will come back if you haven't done it gradually. So when I first started, takeout was a really, really big issue. And so what I did was instead of saying, I'm not going to have takeout for the entire week, I would say, okay, I usually get takeout three times a week. Let me bring it down to just two times per week. And that last day that I would normally have takeout, let's do something called takeout fakeout. So I'm going to pick something that I really, really am craving today. Let's say I want Taco Bell nachos, just as an example. And I'm really craving this. I really want to go get some. You know what? I'm going to make this Taco Bell nachos at home. Let me see if I can get all those ingredients and see what I have at home, see what I can get on sale or whatever, and make this at home. And what ended up happening was my kids got involved and we would make all kinds of different takeout, fakeout meals. And a lot of times they would taste better than the actual fast food that we were eating. Plus Mm -hmm. we got to spend time together in the kitchen. So it was fun. And we added extra toppings that they normally don't have or that they charge extra for, right? (laughs) Like Chipotle avocado, (laughs) like that. And honestly, we enjoyed the meals so much more that my brain started saying, oh, I wanna do this more often. So then it went from let's eat takeout just twice a week to let's try just once a week. And then something crazy happened. We just like renovated our kitchen a while back, a couple months ago. And during the time that we were renovating our kitchen, obviously we had to eat out a lot. I, we had breakfast and lunch at home, but dinner, we wanted to have something hot. And there was, we had literally no kitchen. They had gutted it. Yeah. So we would eat takeout a lot. And what ended up happening was because we had been years of doing our own like takeout fakeouts and eating more at home, That it essentially was just like, oh my gosh, I don't want any more takeout. Like this is too much. I'm not, I don't want this, right? So then once our kitchen came back together, I mean, I should have my daughter like tell you, I would tell her like, you know, today's a really, really busy night. We normally don't eat takeout. We haven't had takeout in like, at at that point, it was like four or five weeks. I was like, we need to get some takeout today because there's literally nothing in the freezer that I can pull out. And I mean, it happens, right? It's life. She would say, oh, I really hate that. I don't want to eat takeout. Mm. And in my mind I'm like, "Oh my god, that's a wonderful thing to say." Yes.
0: <laughs> oh my god. It's normally the opposite. It's like this was the opposite of me. I was always begging my parents to like take me take us to like McDonald's or to your point Taco Bell and my dad would always be like, "We have food at home, girls," or like whatever. But <laughs> I mean, it I feel like to your point that's so huge cuz I feel like most teenagers are the opposite of that. They want the takeout. It's just it's more expensive. It's normally bigger portions it's just so much unhealthier for you. So I love the takeout fake out, but we kind of do that with Trader Joe's, their orange chicken, and they Mm -hmm. have like a vegetable fried rice. And so I'll go and I'll stock up on that. And then whenever we want to do takeout or like Chinese, normally I'll just be like, we have this, why don't we just make it? And to your point, I actually prefer the Trader Joe's Mm -hmm. combo than our local Chinese place. I actually prefer it and it's cheaper. So and I love sometimes that. Sometimes you takeout have
1: leftovers people. that actually taste better. Yeah. Like as a leftover person, <laughs> I mm-hmm. like the leftovers of those things. Like we do the same thing with the Trader Joe's orange chicken, actually, because like for us, it's, if we're going to get like takeout Chinese, it's usually like Panda Express. Yeah. And I, again, probably aging myself. I remember Panda Express was $4.25 for the bowl and $5 for the two-item plate. It's now like almost $10 for the two-item plate, which means that for a family of four, you're spending $40 on one meal that, quite frankly, doesn't taste that great once it's not hot. Yeah. And $40 for a meal when I spend $100 per week on all of my groceries, it just, it's- That's
0: a lot, I yeah. can't justify
1: it. It's Yeah, too totally. Much.
0: Well, and thank you for your suggestion about just like taking things gradually. It's just like, work your way there, y'all. Like if you're currently eating out, you know, to Gina's point, like four days a week, like don't try to go, go cold Turkey. And it's funny you say this because just this week that we're, you and I are talking and recording this yesterday, actually, I dropped a episode about habits and I was talking to a habits coach and she gave the exact same advice. Like she was saying like, work your way there and just start with, what we call a minimum baseline, which is just like one easy thing that you can do. Like when we start a new habit, we want to immediately get to the end result that we're trying to create. So if you're eating out five days a week and you only want to be eating out one day a week, what your brain will tell you to do is like immediately make that jump. And be like, okay, well, let's immediately go from five days a week to one day a week. And to your point, it's not sustainable. And also, again, the mindset shifts that need to happen, that's going to take some time. And your brain needs a little bit of time to kind of catch up. And when you make that huge jump of like five days a week to one day a week, it's just, it creates just a lot of mental chatter that if you take it gradually, you won't have to deal with. You'll make it a lot easier on yourself just by making that gradual change. So thank you for that suggestion. I love that.
1: A hundred percent. I agree with all of that. Yes, it's, it definitely needs to be smaller steps. Actually, I'm currently writing a book, and one of the biggest themes of the book is the idea of, everything that we do, especially when it comes to finance, feels hard as it is. And it already feels like you're doing too much too fast. So instead of trying to run to that goal, take one small step at a time, walk slowly, you're still going to get there. It's just a matter of you adjusting and like getting used to the road versus you running
0: and then you need to stop to catch your breath right yeah mhm cuz it's almost like listen even if it's going to take you a year to kind of get to that point where you are fully there it's like who cares like a year from now you're going to be better mm-hmm. for it it's like yeah you haven't cut yourself down for the entire year but it's like you got to the end result that you wanted versus jumping right into it doing something that's just honestly too much too stark. It's unsustainable. And then you giving up and quitting and then kind of like blaming the process of like, Oh, this doesn't work. And it's like, eh, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not that it doesn't work. It's just like you took on too much, too fast, truthfully. So I love it. Okay. Well, Gina, this has been so fun. Honestly, like I'm, I have to say, I'm very excited to go shred some cheese and (laughs) I am definitely going to be looking at the per unit price. Now, when I go shopping, I'm going to be, honest like that's really not something i had paid much attention to but i'm definitely going to like clue into that more so go ahead before we sign off i want you to tell everyone where they can find you and also tell us i know you have a couple different ways that you can help people so tell people about that too i want to make sure that people can plug into that
1: sure yeah i'm happy to so they can find me on instagram or tiktok i'm at saving with tiktok i'm at saving with Gina. I have an entire website dedicated to help them with groceries and everyday expenses so they can go to savingwiz.com. There is a grocery game changer class, which is a very quick mini class that's 30 minutes, but it gives you everything that you need. And I share my top five ways that I was actually able to go from $1,200 a month to $400 a month. I give them the exact method and the steps to get there. So it makes it easy for them to just finish the class and go straight to saving money. Everything is on the website at savingwiz.com.
0: Okay. I'll put your website and y'all also make sure to link, give the link directly to that training. So you can just click on it and go straight there. I'm going to take that. Honestly, that sounds amazing. So
1: oh, I'm so excited that we had this conversation. Honestly, this was such a wonderful conversation. I love talking to you and I love talking about this
0: topic. Good. Well, I can tell it just like it radiates through (laughs) you. And honestly, I have to say this is an area that is so, so needed. I mean, of course it's definitely needed right now, just the sign of the times that we're in, but even just like take all of that out of it. I mean, food and spending too much on food and, you know, buying stuff that you don't end up using and spoiling and going bad. I know it's like when you go on social media, it's just kind of like memes of like pop culture, you know what I mean? Of like, oh, there's another bag of salad that like went bad in my mm-hmm. in my fridge. And we kind of like joke about it and it's like, oh ha. But figuring out ways to solve for that is just it's gonna save you so much over the long run. And people need this information and they need these tools. So thank you for doing what you do.
1: Thank you for having me on and allowing me to share the message.
0: Of course. All right. Well, thanks for being on, Gina. Hey, girl. If you enjoyed this episode, I want to invite you to join me in overcoming overspending. It's my signature program where I take you through my three-phase approach to stop impulse shopping and overspending so that you can finally start making substantial progress with your finances. Through the Self-Paced Online Program, the student community group, and live weekly coaching with me, you will receive all the encouragement you need to finally achieve lasting change with your money habits that have been sabotaging you for so long. You'll have money back in your pocket, you will leave behind the stress and the worry that you currently experience with money, and your spending will be controlled purposeful and actually feel good and be fun. The best part is it's 100% risk-free. You have a lifetime to implement my proven process. And after doing that, if you don't make your investment back, I will give you a full refund. Your results are guaranteed or the program is on me. Just head over to overcomingoverspending.com to get started. I can't wait to have you as a student within the program.